down to 36 of chapter 11. Verses 2, as I said, 2 through 35 describe for us history. Uh, of course, it wasn't history to Daniel because it hadn't happened yet, and God was revealing to him some things that were going to happen. Uh, he is actually getting this vision as a response to his prayers, and you'll notice there that there's a, there's a time stamp on that, that it was in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that this word was revealed to Daniel. Then that's a significant time because in the first uh, year of Daniel, uh, of Cyrus, Daniel uh, would, would have been uh, of the understanding and, and would know that what, what had happened was that the exiles were allowed to return to Jerusalem. Daniel's probably not going back because at this point he's, he's in his 80s and still working in the government there for, for Persia and so has not gone back. Now the, the folks that have gone back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple and the walls, they are, have faced a great struggle. You know, they, they went with all the great intentions and they were all, I'm sure, excited about returning to their homeland and when they got there and discovered the mess that it was in and then the opposition that they faced, they were actually at this point uh, just being forbidden from continuing with the construction product, project. So this great uh, uh, discouragement, I'm sure Daniel had heard about and that's why he's fasting and praying as we find him, as we read about just a few minutes ago. Mourning, not eating, uh, not drinking, not even bathing and cleaning himself for three weeks when he receives this vision. And I believe what God is saying to Daniel is, look, you know, you're praying for this, uh, the strengthening of your people. I want to reveal to you what's going to happen in the coming years, that there's going to continue to be trouble. There's going to continue to be difficulties. And you'll notice there that it traces... Uh, well, you, we haven't read it, but if you go back and read it, it traces Alexander the, the Great had uh, a kingdom that divi got divided into four sections. Two of those sections surround Jerusalem, and that's what's concerned. We're not even concerned about the other two sections, the area around Macedonia and another area that encompassed all of Alexander's uh, empire at the time. But we're mostly concerned about the area that was around Egypt and the area that's around uh, Syria, which, of course, is the north and south of Jerusalem. So it's going to talk to us a lot about the kings of the north and the kings of the south and all their fightings with one another. It's the Ptolemies in Egypt and the Seleucids in Syria, and they're always uh, fighting with one another and trying to get power and back and forth. And, but it's all central to the people of God, to the church of the Old Testament. And Daniel's having this revealed to him because this is what's going on around them. And I think Daniel's being told, look, it's going to get worse. <laughs> there's more difficulties to come for the people of God. But there's some good news as well, and we'll read about that in the coming chapter. Now, in verse 36, there's a change. We can go verse by verse from 2 to 35 and see how it meets up exactly with history and some of the characters, the Antiochuses and the, the Ptolemies uh, of the day. But in 36, it changes, and it moves, I think, beyond history and points us ultimately to the Antichrist, to the end of all things. And so we pick up the reading there, because that's where it really will affect us, and we can draw some more things from, that, from, from here on out. Verse 36 of chapter 11. And the king shall do as he wills. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god and shall speak astonishing things against the god of gods. 
He shall prosper, prosper till the indignation is accomplished, for what is decreed shall be done. He shall pay no attention to the gods of his fathers or to the one beloved by women. He shall not pay attention to any other god, for he shall magnify himself above all. He shall honor the god of fortresses instead of these. A god whom his fathers did not know, he shall honor with gold and silver, with precious stones and costly gifts. He shall deal with the strongest fortresses with the help of a foreign god. Those who acknowledge him he shall load with honor. He shall make them rulers over many and shall divide the land for a price. At the time of the end, the king of the south shall attack him, but the king of the north shall rush upon him like a whirlwind with chariots and horsemen with many ships. And he shall come into countries and shall overflow and pass through. He shall come into the glorious land and tens of thousands shall fall, but these shall be delivered out of his hand, Edom and Moab and the main part of the Ammonites. He shall stretch out his hand against the countries, and the land of Egypt shall not escape. He shall become ruler of the treasures of gold and of silver and all the precious things of Egypt, and the Libyans and the Cushites shall follow in his train. But news from the east and the north shall alarm him, and he shall go out with great fury to destroy and devote many to destruction. And he shall pitch his palatial tents between the sea and the glorious holy mountain. Yet he shall come to his end with none to help him. At that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who is charge of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never has been sent since there was a nation till that time. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. And those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and, acknowledge, and knowledge shall increase. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on that bank of the stream. And someone said to the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream, how long shall it be till the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen who was above the waters of the stream. He raised his right hand and his left hand toward heaven and swore by him who lives forever that it would be for a time, times, and half a time, and that when the shattering of the power of the holy people comes to an end, all these things would be finished. I heard, but I did not understand. Then I said, O oh my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, Go your way, Daniel. For the words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. Many shall purify themselves and make themselves white and be refined, but the wicked shall act wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but those who are wise shall understand. And from the time that the regular burnt offering is taken away and the abomination that makes desolate is set up, there shall be 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and arrives at the 1,335 days. But go your way till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word to us this morning. Well, in the words of Jerry Reed in his song, uh, theme song for Smokey and the Bandit, we've got a long way to go and a short time to get there. So we're going to try to sum this all up and draw some lessons out of it. Uh, the vision that we've, uh, we've read here concerns all these things that we've been talking about and points us to uh, the end. 
and as I was uh, studying uh, all that that uh, is written about these these vision this vision that Daniel was getting, uh, I was really struck by some words that I've given to you in your outline from Sinclair Ferguson in his in his uh, commentary. The whole point of that revelation was surely to encourage Daniel to understand the significance of the rest of the vision and to teach him how he should pray and live in the light of the direction of world events and their impact upon the city of God. He was to see that there were certain recurring characteristics in the pattern of the activities of the kingdoms of the world. Knowing that, he could pray intelligently and confidently for the future of the city of God. So the question for us today is, just like Daniel, we need to come to this vision trying to figure out how can we pray and live and, and how can we understand our world? Because there are some recurring patterns amongst the kingdoms of this world and the enemies of the church. And as we understand those patterns, how do we pray and live? So you see there, I've given us uh, some things to understand, some things to understand uh, the character uh, of, of life and, and some things to do in response to that. Try to make it as simple as I can. Well, the vision, of course, uh, is about coming history, and Daniel has received this in response to his prayers. He's praying for the people of God, and God is showing up some things that are going to come in the future. And what are those things that Daniel sees? Let's draw a few things that we can understand. First of all, we see the character of the conflict. Uh, you know, we've been given a lot of history here, uh, especially the part we didn't read. Uh, it was a lot of history. Persian kings, Alexander the Great, Antiochus, Ptolemy, Cleopatra, a lot of those people are involved here. But when you look at the history and you look at the vision that Daniel has given, you understand that the events of this world cannot be interpreted by history alone. There's something behind all this, and we catch a glimpse of what's going on in chapter 10 that we read, that this, the conflict between the world's kingdoms are just a, a symptom of a conflict that's deeper and older and is spiritual in nature, a spiritual conflict. And of course, the Bible reiterates that, especially in the New Testament in the book of Ephesians. We're to put on the full armor of God. And, you know, we've got a, an enemy that roams to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. A spiritual conflict is behind all the conflicts of history. In Daniel 10 uh, as Daniel has prayed and this messenger from God has come to give this uh, vision to Daniel, he says, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humbled yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. The prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. Now, he's not a prince or a king. This is referring to uh, an angelic being that uh, has charge over Persia. And he's going to mention Michael. Michael is the guardian angel uh, of the people of God, of Israel, in that day. So this message was coming from God to Daniel, but the forces of evil were resisting it for 21 days. And then Michael steps in, and it says, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. So we've got these 
this conflict. It's a spiritual conflict, and the, the curtain is being pulled back, and Daniel is seeing some of the workings that are behind the scenes of history. And what's true of Daniel is true of us as well. Uh, we, we can look around us, and we can see the events of our lives, and it just seems like you know, that's the way things are and the way things happen. But we have to understand that there is uh, an enemy, and he is behind some of the things that happen to us. We have three enemies. We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. The world, the flesh, and the devil. Yeah, our flesh is ourselves and our own sin natures that we struggle with, but also the world tempts us and, and the devil and his angels uh, are against us as well. And that conflict is going on. We need to be aware that we are in the midst of this conflict, and that's being uh, reiterated to Daniel. We also see the character of the enemy. Uh, several enemies are referred to here. We, we're talking about the different kingdoms of the world, especially since there's talking about the kings of the north and the kings of the south. Uh, the kings of the, of, the, of the north would be those of Syria. The kings of the south would be those in uh, Egypt, with Israel being right between them. So that's what really uh, is concerning Daniel's vision. Uh, are these particular kings, not the ones in Macedonia or the Mediterranean or, or, or over in places that aren't close to the people of God. But, but God uh, is concerned with revealing to Daniel what's happening around the people of God. And they've got the kingdoms of the world that are allied against the people of God. That's an enemy. And behind that is the spirit of Antichrist. And sometimes... Uh, there are antichrists, plural, in the world. And then, ultimately, there is going to be, the Bible tells us, an antichrist, the ultimate man of lawlessness. And these are enemies that are being referred to here in the passage before us. And one thing you see about the kingdoms of the earth allied against the people of God, against the church, they are perennially unstable. One regime comes in, another fights with it, and it's turnover, and we see it all through the world. We see it all through history. All this power, all this struggle, everything is unstable as they fight with one another, fight for power, fight against the church. And, and it's all about a quest for autonomy and power. You see there as this final enemy is revealed in chapter 11, 36 and 37, that it says that the king shall do as he wills. He shall exalt himself and magnify himself above every god. This person, uh, ultimately the Antichrist, uh, he will exalt himself above every god. He, he will think of himself and proclaim himself uh, as the god, as God, as the pinnacle of all things. And he's going to do whatever he wants, at least in his own mind. That's his attitude, that's his spirit. And of course, that's the same way that the devil tries to trip us up. And it has been so since the beginning, back in the Garden of Eden. Uh, Adam and Eve are tempted with a forbidden fruit. And what was their reasoning behind taking the forbidden fruit? It was a delight to the eyes, uh, it was good for food, and it was good for making one like God, wise like God, knowing good and evil. That part like God was the, was the real appeal to be like God, and isn't that our struggle? We want to call the shots. We want to be the, the king. We want to do whatever we want to do, and we don't want anybody telling us what, we want to, what, uh, what to do. That's the spirit of Antichrist 
it's what Satan wants us to buy into. And that's what the enemies of the church do. They want to throw off the yoke uh, that God has upon them and do what they will. Uh, It goes on and and gives us a little more detail. He shall pay no attention. This is verse 37 of chapter 11. He shall pay no attention to the gods of his father or to the one beloved by women. That's probably a deity, uh, a female deity, a pagan deity. Uh, It could mean as well that he just doesn't like women and doesn't like the distinctions between male and female and those sorts of things. He has no care for that, uh, which you see around us even in, in our day, especially in our day. He shall pay no attention to any other gods, for he shall magnify himself above all. And he shall, verse 36 tells us that he shall speak astonishing things against the God of God. So blasphemy, inhumanity, these are characters of the enemy. Uh, He wants to destroy our humanity. We tend to think, oh, if I want to do what I want to do, that makes me more human. But actually that makes you less human. That makes you less what God has created you to be. When you throw off uh, his rules, his guidelines, and do what you want to do, it makes you less of a person, less of a man, less of a woman. And then ultimately, they, this, this, these enemies of God are all about power. Might is right. Verse 38 tells us that uh, the Antichrist shall honor the God of fortresses instead of any other gods. So the God of fortresses, the God of power, he, he's all interested in power. But look how he ends, verse 45, very anticlimactic. He shall pitch his palatial tents between the sea and the glorious holy mountain, has all these purposes, yet he shall come to his end with none to help him. And it's just so small and insignificant the way it records it for us. I think it's making a point. All this power, all this uh, fury and rage against the church, against God's people, is going, to, is going to end, and nobody's going to help him. And it reminds us of 2 Thessalonians 2.8, which I've given in the outline. The lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Not with a big sword, not with a, a big army, but just by the breath of his mouth. The, this ultimate man of lawlessness will be destroyed. So that's the enemies of God. We see here, highlight for us as well, the character of God. Uh, As we see these enemies, these kingdoms, grasping for power, fighting against God's people, doing all that they want to do, overall we see that God is in control of it all, of everything. He knows exactly what they're going to do. Uh, In one place it talks about they're going to do exactly what has been decreed. What, has, what God has decided that they w- will do. They can make their plans. Uh, man, uh, man has his purposes, but God is the one who is in control. Man proposes, God disposes. God is going to work out his purposes for his people, and, and he's going to do it in all the circumstances of life, through good things and bad things even. Isaiah 40 says, It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. That's the God whom we love and whom we serve, and that's his character. We need to be reminded of that. Yes, we're in spiritual conflict. We have this raging enemy against us, but God is going to bring him to an end because he rules over everything and nothing 
is as powerful as the God we serve. That's a great comfort. I love the verse in Psalm 46. It says, uh, The nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts. Our God is a powerful God, and he's in control of all these so-called kingdoms. They do what they want to do, but they, they only do exactly what God allows them to do and no more. So that's the character of God in this whole thing. And then finally, the character of the people of God. This ver- these verses remind us that the people of God will have trouble. We see it in chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, there shall be a time of trouble, as never has been since there was a nation till that time. So Daniel is worried about the people of God going through trouble. And as I said before, he's, lo- he's getting a shot forward to, uh, to times that are coming, and it's going to be filled with continued trouble for the people of God. But they're never alone. And that's one of the things you see here. The archangel Michael is there protecting them. Uh, Hebrews 1.14 talks about the ministering spirits, angels sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. You know, Hallmark has done us a disservice by making little cherubs on all the, the cards and talking about guardian angels, and they look like little fat babies, and you wonder, you know, <laughs> what's a little fat baby with wings going to do for me? Is that a guardian angel? No. Anytime you see an angel in Scripture, when, they, when people encounter Gabriel or the angel of the Lord, as we see here in Daniel, they're falling on their face in fear and awe and are tempted to worship these beings. These are the people. These are, the, these are not people. These are the angels. These are our guardians. These are the ones who are with us. Daniel may have felt alone. His friends run off. You know, he's there receiving this vision and he's there with this, this heavenly being. Maybe he thinks he's alone. Maybe he thinks he's alone there in, in, in Persia uh, as the people of God have gone back and he's left, but he's, he's, he's never been alone. And we're never alone. In the midst of this conflict that we face, uh, the people of God are never alone. God has, is with us and he has provided for us in every way that we need, even guardian angels, but not little fat babies with wings. Thirdly, the people of God will be delivered. Yes, they will be delivered. It promises that. It uh, talks about a time of trouble, chapter 12, verse 1. But at that time your people shall be delivered, everyone whose name shall be found written in the book, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. So even here, talking about resurrection, our ultimate deliverance. One day we will have glorified bodies in the new heavens and new earth. And then finally, the people of God will shine. Verse 3 of chapter 12. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the sky above, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Shine, purity, light forever and ever. So as we think about these things, that there's a great conflict, that we have great enemies, but we have a great God in control of all these things. And, and we as the people of God are protected and cared for even though we go through troubles. I think that's what this vision is all about. So, in conclusion, what to do about these things? How, how should we pray and live? Daniel was a man of prayer. We saw that last week. We see it again this week. And God is telling him how he can continue to pray. And what should he do in the meantime? Well, first of all, we see prayer. That's something that we ought to do. Daniel was a man of prayer. 
we see here given to us the power of prayer. Daniel is there praying, and angels are moving, and spiritual forces are doing battle with one another as a result of this man's prayer. Shows us the power of prayer, but we need to understand it's not just the power of prayer, because just because we pray, it's not prayer itself that's powerful, it's the God to whom we pray that is powerful. And that's how we access him. We, we can come boldly before the throne of grace, and God reacts to the prayers of his people. He fulfills his will using the prayers of his people. Don't let that be lost on us. We think of prayer as, you know, we don't think much of it at all, usually. But when we think about what Daniel was doing and, and the results that we see, that's true of us as well. We can make a difference in the world through prayer, through seeking God and his face and his will and asking him for it. That's, he has ordained that that's how he gets things accomplished, and that's how he's doing things here in Daniel's life, in the life of God's people. So we see the power of prayer. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It's not just prayer of anybody, but the prayers of God's people are highly important, and those are the prayers that are answered. So we are called to pray like Daniel prayed. And we want to see things change in our world. We want to see the church grow and become stronger. Well, the first thing we ought to do is pray. We have not because we ask not. Jesus said. So let's pray together. Again, I invite you to come tonight, 6 o'clock. We'll be here. We'll be praying together. Praying not just for Aunt Sookie's sore toe. Uh, we'll be praying for the church, for you know, God to do great things in this world and along the Gulf Coast and whatever else that we need to pray about. For his kingdom to come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So pray. And then secondly, go your way. I'm just quoting from the text here. Uh, Daniel's wondering, when, when are these things going to happen? When's all this going to shake out, Lord? And all he gets is, go your way. You see it there at the end of verse uh, 13. Uh, well, he says it in verse 9 as well. O Lord, my, what shall, o, Lord, o my Lord, what shall be the outcome of these things? He said, go your way, Daniel. The words are shut up and sealed until the time of the end. And then again, in verse 13, but go your way, till the end, and you shall rest and shall stand in your allotted place at the end of the days. So we pray, but we go our way. Daniel, go back to work. Go back to doing what you've been doing all along. Just fulfilling your calling in your life. Doing the will of God wherever you are. Daniel, go do that now. You've, been, you've seen all this stuff, and the proper response is to keep praying and to do what God has called you to do. And that's what Daniel does, apparently. The biblical response to the promises of God's coming kingdom is always live for that kingdom now. Recognize his reign now. Be obedient now. Fulfill your present responsibilities now. Then will one day hear our master say, well done, good and faithful servant. You, will, you were faithful over a few things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. If, it, if this chapter teaches us anything, it is that because God's people will be different then, at the end of all time, that they are different now. Now. We live for that kingdom now. We live in light of that kingdom now. Yes, we have trouble now, we have conflict now, but we still have the same God who takes care of us, 
uh, who's doing great things in this world. Uh, we need to get connected to that and have a spiritual vision of things, the conflict of the victories, the joys, and what our eternal hope is in the Lord. May the Lord help us to see these things and understand them and to live accordingly. We need grace to do that. And, of course, through Jesus Christ, uh, his death, his resurrection, he, is, he has defeated all of our enemies. And he has given us victory over sin and death and hell. And so when we have that victory, uh, we, we can live uh, in light of that. We can live victorious lives of service to him. It may mean trouble, it may mean difficulty, but God is with us, and he will help us. And he's given us his word to encourage us in that today. So I pray that the Lord would strengthen our faith this morning. Let's pray together.